Federal Drive is presented by GEHA, Government Employees Health Association, proudly providing health and dental benefits to federal employees and their families. Visit GEHA.com. It's the oldest challenge in government and business, how to make things easier for customers. In the digital age, customer service has evolved into something more ambitious, customer experience, or CX. CX asks, among other things, how you get the idea of better service or experience down to the individual employee. Office of Personnel Management digital services expert Beth Martin gave Federal Drive host Tom Temin some ideas. What is the latest thinking? What is OPM doing these days? There's an executive order about a year ago on customer experience. It's in the president's management agenda. It's in all of their management agendas, pretty much. What's going on these days? We have two flagship activities that are undergoing. We have the OPM modernization That's uh, OPM.gov. That's also our intranet. And we even have a strategic goal speaking to that. So we are taking this very seriously, obviously. We also have another effort underway dealing with the Postal Services Health Benefits Program. And that will be a really exciting development that will finish up later this fall for the Postal Services workers and their annuitants and family members. And just review for us what the goals of the OPM CX modernization are that would be presumably for federal employees writ large. Yes. For federal uh, employees who want to choose their health benefits, to choose their retirement benefits, for people who are considering coming into federal service who want to see what's available to them, all federal employees are our customers and all federal retirees are our customers. And anyone who's looking to have a a federal job or do business with OPM are our customers. And you mentioned intranet. It was the second phase in agencies and organizations putting their stuff out on the public internet. They said, well, Mm -hmm. we can do this internally also. But since all of this, there's another development called artificial intelligence. Is that coming into this idea of understanding what a person is looking for and therefore revving Mm -hmm. up the intranet? such that it can give more detailed information to that person, even though it may not be on a formal website. Does that make sense? Yes. Are you thinking on the public side or on the intranet side? Well, intranet side. Well, there is an effort underway right now. It's a pilot project, and uh, another colleague is heading that up. It's a joint effort with the Air Force. So that is very exciting because that will be helping HR personnel And so I I think when we have more to share about that, that will be really exciting that we can um, talk more about that and how it can help streamline efforts. Because if you look at the OPM's website, it is extensive. Mm -hmm. I mean, even just Mm -hmm. as coming in from the public, as I do, just to Mm -hmm. see what do they exactly say about this day or that day type of thing. And there's always documents linked, and they in turn link to other documents. Mm -hmm. Eventually you get to the statutes. I mean, it's pretty deep what you Mm -hmm. offer but it's not all that easy to navigate or it might take a lot of time. I guess, is one of the gambits you're thinking of such that a natural language query could find all of those documents, assemble them for a person, and then maybe provide an answer that's generated? It would be just for that question, but it wouldn't necessarily be a page on an internet. Can we steal that idea, Tom? That's a great (laughs) idea. (laughs) It's not original. I just heard it from somebody else, but... Well, tell us what you do plan right now. I mean, what's the status of of your own modernization? 
I think in terms of modernizing it, you know, going to the cloud, obviously, we're working hard on that to modernize legacy systems. And I don't want to go too deep into that because that is not my area of expertise. I am just sharing what I am aware of. We want to do better by our customers. And so we're working hard to understand what customers need so that we can provide that in a more streamlined manner. As AI matures and access to it becomes more commonplace, you know, we obviously need to wait for those guardrails for AI. And what you mentioned would be very interesting. And there's a long-term impact, which came about, you know, with search engines not too recently, where they talked about, I need everything on this topic. And the AI scrapes from those websites, and then you lose traffic on those websites. So I think those are down the road kinds of concerns. Who is the authoritative source of that information? Because the search engines can get it wrong. Yes, indeed they can. We've all been down those <laughs> rabbit holes. We're speaking with yeah. Beth Martin. She's digital services expert and customer experience designer at OPM. And tell us about the ways that you are making sure you understand what it is. I mean, it's hard to say the customer because with a workforce of a couple of million, everybody's unique, literally. Right and has right. unique situations. So what's your best strategy for determining, you know, what the journey map should look like and all of these things when you have 2 million people? Or if you're, you know, a large business, you might have 20 million or 200 million. That's a really good question. The first thing we need to do is to understand what our agency mission is, you know, going back to basics and making sure that we are delivering on what we're supposed to be doing. Government's mandate is to serve. So we need to serve. And in order to do that, we need to know what our mission is. And everything that we do needs to be tied to that mission. And we have strategic plans with strategic goals and objectives. And we need to be aware of those so that we are delivering on those. In the case of OPM, as with any other agency, once we understand that perspective, that will be the North Star to help orient who do we serve? Who are the primary people who need these services? And we need to do some research. We need to do user research. We need to do user interviews and really get a very good understanding of the target audience that we are trying to reach out to and make sure that we are delivering what they need. We are delivering the top services. There are many things that agencies do, but we need to do the things that we are charged to do well and stay in our lane. So the idea so, then behind this is CX has to be very specific to the agency in the case of federal yes. agencies, and there's no yes. one way to do it that fits everybody. Right, because we're, we're all serving different audiences and they will have different needs. You might have one agency who is serving people who have English language barrier. So that customer service need will be different than somebody who is providing internal services. So we really need to understand who our users are and their needs. And you mentioned something else, too, that uh, you serve individual federal employees, but really OPM also serves other agencies in official capacity, not an individual capacity. And how does right. that complicate the CX journey? Well, agencies are people too. There are people who have those needs. So again, we need to make sure that we are serving up what that agency is 
connecting with us for what we deliver. And tell us more about the Postal Service effort. It's in their health care area. Is it something yes. that could maybe translate later on to government-wide for OPM? Because everybody does health care, and everybody obtains it one way or another. Yes, it's a very complex process. When I first joined OPM about 18 months ago, I was involved in a discovery effort where we were just looking at one aspect of several different processes for this larger effort of delivering service. And I really grew to appreciate it. I have family members who are involved in different aspects of the healthcare system. And I've worked at Health and Human Services and FDA. So I, I had some appreciation of what's involved, but I had no clear understanding of the complexity of just this one aspect of it. So in this one particular case, the effort was for insurance carriers to offer up the three different health plans that they wanted to do that. And that is a contract, a bid process. And getting that information into a portal, and then OPM takes that and works that, communicates with the health insurance company about negotiating, and then they award the contract. One, I learned how that process went. And two, there were so many people involved in so many decisions it really gives you an appreciation for how complex it is. And just mapping that whole journey was an astounding process. And doing that again for five or six more other major processes and getting all of those steps mapped and then looking at how can we streamline this? How can we make it easy for us? How can we make it easy for the insurance companies to come in and, and offer this? And by extension, how can we make this a better process for everybody involved because our customers in this case are the insurance companies wanting to do business with us, which will ultimately help us give better service to the people who want the insurance plans. Sure. So in trying to get to a better CX, you can also mm -hmm. get to a better process. Exactly. Beth Martin is a digital services expert and customer experience designer at the Office of Personnel Management. We'll post this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Subscribe to the Federal Drive wherever you get your podcasts. Leadership today, especially within the federal workforce, is being tested more than ever before. As the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency's Chief People Officer, Elizabeth Comstetter sees a focus on people as absolutely crucial to her leadership style. Comstetter joined Shane Canfield, WEPA CEO, to reflect on her years of experience leading in the federal human capital space. Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I'm your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Today I'm joined by Dr. Elizabeth Comstetter, Chief People Officer, at the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency. Elizabeth, welcome. Thank you, great to be here. In your current position at CISA, one of your responsibilities is ensuring a people-first culture. Explain what that is, and, and what's the role of leadership in creating and shaping that culture? Yes, at CISA, really paramount to our culture is a people-first driven aspect, so that we are really looking at how do we accomplish our mission through our people? And in order to do that, we really value our people. We want them to feel empowered and supported and uh, respected. 
and also that their managers care about them. So well-being is important. Psychological safety in the workplace is important so that all voices and ideas are heard. So I like to call it our North Star. Having a people-first culture really starts with the people in order to get our incredibly difficult mission accomplished. In terms of leadership, which is a great question, I think we all know that culture is really driven by leadership and the, the behaviors that we allow and we uh, you know, uh, reinforce in our leaders. So we really work at making sure that our leaders are bringing out the best in their people every day. So again, that they feel they can bring their voice, especially an opinion that might not go along with the majority of a group, so that we get that diverse perspective, we get those different ideas and experiences And that's really where we find that it's important that leaders are purposefully bringing out their talent on their teams to enable our mission. Excellent. We're we're going through a a culture project at our work. Oh, great. It's it's been six months in the making, and it's going really well, but it is work. Yes. And it requires from the top down. So I'm, I'm also involved in that. I hear you. Great. Throughout your career, you've piloted many different talent management programs, including at NASA, the CIA, the FBI, just to name a few, and you have an amazing career. What have you learned or how have you might have changed along the way in creating and leading those programs? Yes, and I, I, I am so honored to have had a career in public service across multiple federal agencies, always in the realm of human resources and workforce performance. And I think because I study organizations and people in them, I've come to realize, particularly in the federal government, that many of our programs are really grounded in the industrial era thinking, that this is organizationally structured in a hierarchy with boxes and lines on charts, uh, with the center being around jobs and what do we need to get this job done in terms of skills and training. And what I found is that we're really not in the industrial era anymore where we would promote the smartest people who knew that work and they would then tell the people on their team how to do things and oversee that work. We're now in a digital era and the information era where work gets done collaboratively across geographic boundaries and certainly across org charts. So uh, we like to call it networks um, or hierarchies, and we really need to, again, unleash people so they can find those other people who are working on similar problems or have the right ideas. And so I really like to think of our work now in the talent programs being human-centered. It's more about the user and the experience than about the rules and regulations. So although we have to have rules and regulations, certainly in human resources, Is that person experiencing what they need and getting what they need for their role at that time? So not so much on the job, but on the person. So for example, we're recruiting. What's the applicant experiencing? Because if they're not having a good experience with our organization from the time we're recruiting them, they're going to go work for somebody else. Same thing with like first-time supervisors. We know they need certain training, but telling them to sit in a class for one week and then hope a year from now they'll remember what they learned to apply That's not really human-centered. The human-centered is what do they need when they need it and building modules or or just-in-time training and bringing that to the people, to that user, as they need it. So that's really, I think, the most important focus of talent programs today in this era to enable the workers to be the best they can be in their their roles. Excellent. New thinking. Um, 
This is always an interesting question. Has there been a time when, as a leader, that you've made a mistake? And what is that? And um, I think most important, what did you take away from that? What did you learn from that? Well, I kind of chuckle because I think as leaders, we have to learn to recognize our mistakes, admit our mistakes, and that they are opportunities to learn. And so uh, I've had to do my own self-reflection on on making mistakes and when things don't turn out the way that I expected them to. Um, makes me think of a time when I was at the Transportation Security Administration and I was a supervisor. And I was really embroiled with my program. I was the technical leader of it. I understood it. I'd run it for years. And I was making a briefing for a decision that had to be made about this program that was very near and dear to me. And I presented the briefing uh, to one of the very senior people in the agency. And I think there are about 20 people in the room. And I had gone through the briefing, answered all the questions, and that leader then said, okay, I'm going to go around the room and get everybody's opinion, and then everybody gets to vote, which kind of set me aback because there were people in that room that didn't have any technical knowledge about my program. She even turned to the executive assistant there, taking notes on the meeting, and said, go ahead, and I want to hear from you. And I realized, in hindsight, I had stopped listening. I had been in transmitting all of my knowledge and what I saw to be the right way, and I was not listening to different perspectives in the room because I didn't think that, I didn't value that they were bringing any kind of input to this particular decision. And it didn't go as I had hoped. And I left very disappointed and was busy blaming the senior leader and how that meeting was conducted, that she let all these people have opinions when they didn't know, in my mind, didn't know what they were talking about. And so um, in reflection on that, I realize, and now as I've moved into more senior leadership positions, I realize that was a mistake, that it actually is really important to listen, especially to people who have different perspectives or at a different point in the career, not just the people who know the program or the technical really well. And so that was a mistake I made, and I realized in my own sense I wasn't listening to very different opinions, and I probably should have because I would have learned more about what was needed for this program going forward than just leaving, getting getting upset that it didn't go a certain way. So I've really practiced active listening. I've practiced making sure there's very different people on um, teams and certainly on committees or councils that we need early careers, people new to the agency, mm -hmm. people who haven't walked in the shoes of the technical workforce because they're asking questions we need to hear for these programs to be successful. Excellent. Your career in talent management means your work is very closely tied to people. And even your title, chief people officer, what does that mean to you to be a leader in the federal system with that focus? Isn't that a great title? I just love the title chief people officer, and I think it's my dream job, really, to be focused on people and culture and the workforce strategy for the whole agency. And I'm just so excited to be at CISA at this point in time. We're only four years young as an agency, so we're really still creating who we're going to become as an agency and what is our culture and what kind of people and talent do we need to be sure we have to be successful. So it's very exciting for me to be in this role 
with a intentional focus on culture. Because it's one of those things, if you leave it to chance and you kind of hope it goes the way you want it to, it probably won't. So by building programs, including leadership development programs, including um, any kind of training and learning and career growth and um, engagement programs and listening programs, that's what's really key for, I think, for our agency and particularly me in this role. Um, I think in the federal government, we got used to doing annual survey, the Federal Employee Viewpoint Survey that OPM, Office of Personnel Management, runs every year. So we would do a survey and we'd read it and we'd say, oh, this is the opinion of our people. And then we would do action plans and then we'd roll out certain activities that we would hope would, in, would increase engagement. In this era, you can't do once a year and understand what your employees' experiences are, what they need, what's working well, and what needs to improve. We need active, uh, ongoing listening programs. So one of the things we're doing at CISA is having more pulse surveys, having more focus groups and what we call sensing sessions, expecting our leaders to have office hours where anybody can come and just talk about what's going well, what do they need, how, how are things going? Um, because I, we feel like it is an ongoing need to hear from our people. And I think in this role and over the years of serving, I've also realized there's never a one-size-fits-all. You know, we think certain people need certain things at certain times in their career. There's no one-size-fits-all. Neither can we also customize everything to every individual. So there's got to be a sweet spot in building really great talent programs, but also, like I said, thinking about can we do this in modules? Can we make it a menu? Can we do it just in time as people need it so they can practice the new skill or knowledge in their role? So I think we have such great opportunity, again, with the technology that enables us to really um, focus on how we connect people with their work and their team to get things done in, in very new ways. This is always an interesting question. Is there a figure, either from your personal life, your past, somewhere in history generally, that inspired you, your leadership style, um, how you view leadership? There are many figures who have been very inspirational to me, but there is one that sticks out, and that's my mother, Paula Brownlee, who has been a very inspiring leader to me all my life. And I think because, first and foremost, she had a strong family and a strong career, and that's something I always wanted. And I saw her first as my mother, but then I also saw her as a leader in her career and in academia, which was her chosen field. But I always knew her family came first. And as I saw how she balanced different family needs with also a, a growing and more and more prominent um, career positions in leadership, that she had to balance that. And I think I learned from her that you can have both. You have to, you have to focus on different things through your career um, and through your life, but that you don't have to trade one for the other. Um, I've been married, happily married for 32 years, and I'm a mother of twins who are almost 24 years old. So, and I've had a great career in public service. So I think that having her as a role model has really helped me um, find my own courage, find my own confidence, and find my own voice in how I can prioritize the things that are most important to me so that I can actually balance both family and career. And you're doing it well. You're, Thank you. Uh, having known you now for seven or eight years yeah. um, and worked alongside you, 
Uh, your passion is infectious. Thank you. Your uh, intelligence and, and the thoughtfulness with which you approach uh, all of these issues. It's, uh, it's an honor for you to be here, and thank you for your time. Thank you very much. I'm Shane Canfield, CEO at WEPA, and until next time, have a great day. Find the full podcast and future episodes of Lessons in Leadership on the Federal News Network app and anywhere you enjoy your podcasts.